Hello everyone. Today we are going to be discussing the 2016 MCU film starring Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., Chadwick Boseman, Scarlett Johansson, all the rest of the MCU people you know and love. The film is Captain America Civil War. Technically, Seth, I think you would agree it is another Avengers film, even though it's not called one. It definitely feels that way. And there are, yeah, there's a couple people missing, I guess, but it definitely feels like an Avengers movie. Yeah, and it was successful. It was a big budget. I made for $250 million, and it made over $1.1 billion. So very successful. One of the more successful comic book movies, even within Marvel's stable, which is pretty impressive. And this actually came out at a similar time as Batman vs. Superman. I feel like I'm always bringing things back to Batman vs. Superman, which I'm going to stop doing. But this, there are reasons why this comes back to it. There was definitely there was a definite polarity. That like it felt like an Armageddon deep impact moment because it was like Batman vs. Superman and so it felt like the same concept in both movies. And well, especially the first third or half of this movie and the first third of Batman vs. Superman, there are a couple of the same beats, just very different effects used differently, but similarities between them. Getting a little ahead of myself, but this movie came out, a lot of hype. I, I In the past, we've talked about films and theater experiences. This is one of my favorite movies seen in the theaters, and it sounds ridiculous, but there were so many crowd moments in this where the crowd is reacting at least in the first few nights where it was a lot of mcu fans or comic book fans it was really fun and i loved it with that i'm gonna throw it to you seth clearly clearly i love this movie (laughs) yeah i found it um it's a lot i mean obviously there's a lot of characters it's a long run time there's a lot going on in the movie i found it um I, i actually i know i'd seen it once before i guess i enjoyed it a little bit more this time probably because I was kind of paying attention more to the plot, I guess, than just kind of like watching it as a popcorn movie. Um, I found the central question and the central sort of like disparity between the two groups more interesting this time for some reason. And I actually found myself wondering which side I would have been on, um, which it's sort of like in the beginning, they have this setup where uh they're stopping bad guys but they're causing a lot of collateral damage and then they kind of uh william hurt i think is the character that sits him down and is like look at all this stuff through the years you've done through new york and all these different places and there's also a moment where like Downey's confronted by a mother whose son has been lost uh through collateral damage and whatnot and it's sort of like they're all having this like sort of moment of guilt and the question that's thrown upon them is basically, should we continue to be self-governed vigilantes? And we ourselves will decide which causes are worth fighting, which causes aren't worth fighting. and uh, Or should we subject ourselves to the mercy of the UN, basically, and let uh, the, the major countries of the world decide when we're most needed to defend the world, kind of. And I actually found myself on this watch siding more with Downey. I felt like their power had become unchecked. It had grown too far. They were basically tyrants deciding which battles to fight, who would win, which side would prevail. And they weren't really taking directions from anyone of the public. And it seemed to me that whether it should be the UN or something different, it seemed to me that the general public of the world should have some say in what these supernatural people are doing 
uh, on a global and intergalactic scale at this point. Like, it seems like, you know, if I was a citizen of this world where these uh, superheroes were, I would want some sort of vote on, on what they were doing with their powers, I guess. Now, Captain America obviously takes the uh, opposite view of this, and he feels that his own uh, judgment of situations is sort of... Um, is uh, still still chaste, I guess is the word. <laughs> it's still pure, and it's uh, he feels that as soon as you bring in government legislation, whether it's a uh, the U.S. government or the U.N., who be it, it's just a person with an agenda, and that itself is already corrupted. Um, and that's a cer- I mean, it's a certain point of view, but to me, it's like the power is already corrupting him, and it's like he's already doing favors for a friend. That's like, yeah, he's an MK Ultra, like. Uh, agent for Russia, but yo, he's killing people left and right on your side, and you're like basically just kind of like going against it to, to save your buddy. It feels like I don't know. I felt myself siding more with Downey uh, and the UN thing than I was with Captain America. I felt like Captain America's emotions overwhelmed him. It's a totally fair and valid point. And coming into this movie more so as an individual film, I, I agree with that. And I do have to agree in this film and with greater context and seeing the later films, Black Widow was right. They can just sign the papers and still do whatever they want. No one could stop them as they ended up defecting anyways. And when they defected, they no one went after them. At least no one's shown us in the films. That could change with this Black Widow film or they could tell the story of the government trying to hunt down the rogue Avengers. But at this point, it was again, with hindsight being 2020, they lost in the next film, Infinity War, because they were divided. And it was so Captain America cannot be put in a position that ultimately didn't happen. But at the same time, in his defense, if you take the movie out of the vacuum, especially with his character in the film, it's somewhat justified. He had just been betrayed by S.H.I.E.L.D., an organization he joined after That's being true. frozen yeah. and they had been corrupted. You could make the argument he is too scarred by that. But there's also the character of Thaddeus Ross, I believe is the pronunciation, but General Ross, who is the head. And he is one of the villains. He's really the main villain in a way as he is, takes the face of the political ramifications or the political movement to put them under wraps, which is a larger, I think, antagonist than I appreciated in previous films. But his characters appeared before, too. And this is what bothered me when he puts the onus on Captain America and he says, where are Thor and Banner? There'd be, there'd be big ramifications or there'd be consequences if I lost those two guys. He's lost Banner multiple times. He created Banner with his experiments. He, there's a whole movie where he loses Banner. So that's part of it. The other part, too, is the Avengers would be aware he helped create the Abomination or Emil Blonsky, the monster at the end of that Hulk movie, which is part of this universe. He has an agenda. He used very, he used the power and these type of powerful people for his own personal agenda. And so it's interesting that no one calls him out. And that was one thing I understand why they didn't do in the film. And I'm doing a deep dive here as like a super nerd, but at the same time, that's a character who we know has been corrupted. And yeah, this takes place years after that Hulk film, but he was a ultimately corrupted general by his own power. And he did things that he shouldn't have done for his own agenda. And it's 
And at the same time, Captain America ends up being able to lift the, the hammer, which only a pure person can do, only a few people can do, which goes to show he did have the judgment to decide when and where he prob- should probably intervene. I will I'll, I'll say within this comic book world, I think that's a, a valid point that he lifted the hammer. Although I was about to say that I just feel like no matter who who wields the power, it's like it's still a human being sort of making decisions. Well, you know, it's like to me, it's like okay, Steve Rogers, like you think you're that pure, but still you're a human being who's flawed who's going to make decisions. And it's like I would, and that was the you know, I was kind of like if there's any scene where they should have brought in Thor and uh, the Hulk, it's like they, I felt like they should have been in that room in that discussion at least. What you know, even if you don't have them show up for the rest of the movie. That's one of the things where you can't in the way they told the other story, or at least the way they wrote it themselves into it. There like, were, <laughs> well, there were versions where they were there, but in order to do Thor Ragnarok, you couldn't bring the Hulk back, I think. Oh, I see. I, I mean, who knows? It's a comic book movie. The, the two scenes where I would have appreciated them just showing up would have been that scene and then the big fight scene at the Civil Like, if they had just kind of, like, shown up and been like, I'm taking a side, and you just kind of have them be a part of it. I think it makes their returns in Infinity War ultimately work. At the, at the same time, if you bring them back in Civil War, I'm not complaining. I, I think it works yeah. either way in the way they tell it. I understand why they're not in the film. I, I would have liked them. But with all that being said, I do think there should be some type of apparatus because the other argument could be made if, against Captain America. Tons of people have had the serum and all of them have gone, have gone crazy or evil or out of control, except you. And that, how are we to know you're not out of control if you won't give us any transparency, you won't let us see anything. So I, I could see both arguments being made, especially after he hid the fact that Bucky killed Stark's parents <laughs> to then say oh no trust me i just lied about that this that was time. kind of another thing so i did like that reveal at the end um that the like uh bucky had kind of like been the mk ultra agent to kill those parents but then i kind of felt like the peak of the movie is really the big civil war fight between like everyone and i wondered if there was a way to have like ended the movie with that fight as the kind of peak of it but they kind of do this second ending where they reveal that and then Captain America and Iron Man really turn on each other. Um. <laughs> I I think that's a fair argument. I really like the way they set it up, though, because yeah. it was a good subversion of expectations. They showed, well, in the trailers, they showed tons of everything. So they, they gave that's away true. a lot of the movie in the trailers, with, with a few big exceptions, which we'll talk about. But at the same time, that movie felt like it was building to that airport scene in the trailers. At least that was my recollection. And watching it, it's impressive. They build, and the biggest scale is that fight. However, they go smaller in terms of amount of characters in the third act, but the fight is even better. They're able to elevate it. That day, yeah, the fight between Winter Soldier, Captain America, and Iron Man and after that reveal about the parents is pretty good. Even with Zemo and the Black Panther conversation, it's a deep conversation that was an interesting moment there. That guy, Zemo, uh, Daniel Bruhl, I actually kind of think that guy's a pretty good actor. Do we want to talk about him now? Because one of the things that I came away with after watching this film, Black Panther, I also, I've watched Winter Soldier recently. I really like the Zemo character. And he's an interesting character. Some people love him. Some people think he's ridiculous because he just has this weird plan that manages to come together. 
I'd say that's a fair argument, but in this world, his power is his ability to plan. That's the way I look at it. He's a master planner or strategist or whatever you want to, he has some kind of comes at, yeah. Like I could see how some people would be like, Oh, it comes across as like a hacky sort of Nazi Russian thing. Uh, <laughs> that's totally but, fair. Well, he is in the comic books. Yeah. He, he's but a actually, Nazi Hydra guy. That guy, that actor, um, Daniel Brule. He was in like that car racing movie. I, I want to say and with he was, like, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, in, oh, why am I the inglorious bastards? He was yeah, the sniper the, hero. He he's been in some yeah, big yeah, films. Yeah. He's he's kind of under the radar. That guy. He's, he's got a little clout. <laughs> I don't that like. I don't think. I mean, he was fine in Zemo. Like he pulled it off, um, and it made it so that it's like, it, it he he's able to be an antagonist that works for the movie because it's like, you need somebody that's gonna like. Not only it's like yeah, there are rifts within the Avengers, but he's the one that kind of like stirs it to the point that they're really like turning on each other, and it like becomes serious at the end where they actually kind of want to kill each other. One of the things this film does really well is it balances the villains, and you can make the argument that they're all villains and none of them are villains. But there is Hydra, there is the Captain America Avengers, the Iron Man Avengers, Black Panther, and Wakanda. There is Zemo, and there is the UN led by Thaddeus Ross with the other Agent Ross and Agent Carter. And that's six different groups. Oh, and Crossbones, if you throw in the first act villain. That's seven different groups that are all fighting each other at certain points. And sometimes they're villains. Sometimes their allies become enemies. Enemies become allies. It's your classic Shakespearean (laughs) tragedy. And it ultimately works. They do it really well. And it's something I thought... Black Panther did well, too, is in terms of juggling different characters and shifting allegiances and ultimately multiple villains. But we'll focus on Civil War for a second. I, that was really off hand. I really liked Crossbones and Zemo. And one of the things I thought about was, I don't know if I'm the only one who likes them or one of a minority, but I thought those more human villains were more interesting because you know they're not going to try and take over the world or create an Infinity Gauntlet. Right. It's almost harder to imagine what they're doing and not saying that it's more interesting, I think. And I think it makes them scarier in some ways because they're not necessarily trying to destroy the world or they don't have all these crazy ambitions. It's on a smaller scale. And so that, that makes it more achievable. I want yeah. to steal this weapon. I want to blow up this like, building. Yeah. It's more personal. Yeah. Than, than that kind of stuff. Can I give you a couple of things? I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I could go on all day about what I love. The, the one thing I'll say is I think it juggles also a lot of heroes well. This movie was so great, and it showed why they were ready for Infinity War. But, all right, yeah, let's go. Let's do inter- something interesting. Tell me what you okay. didn't like. or I, did, I, I think the – I don't know when Elizabeth Olsen was added to this. And uh, her character, um, Scarlet Witch, not my favorite character – I think the power, her powers are like ill-defined, uh, ill-defined, and also too strong for the character. It's like she's got these really strong powers for the world she's in, and then it's like I did not care about any of the. Sh- it's like she's the one that kind of blows up this building in the beginning, and it's like has all these emotions about it, and like it just didn't. None of that hit for me. I felt the. Uh, I felt that Downey's early scene with the mom and thinking about the kid that she had lost was much stronger 
than the scene Olsen had tried to do after she, like, blew up this building. And it's like, I have no history with that character, really. It's like, at least I know Downey and Iron Man, and I can have some, like, rapport. It's like, I don't know. I just felt like that that whole thing with her was a miss. If I could have cut anything from this movie, it would have been all the scenes with her and Vision. I think all that is just sappy nonsense, doesn't need to be in this kind of a popcorn movie. Uh, and it's like, you could still could have done the whole same story without all that shit. And it's like, I just thought that to me, that was the part where it was kind of dragging and I wish they had tightened it up. It's interesting. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. I think that's fair. They were both introduced in age of Ultron. And I think they were some of the weaker aspects as well as Pietro Maximoff, the brother Quicksilver. Those were all weak characters. They had these transylvanian accents it sounded like and vision was the character who they introduced in the last 20 minutes and he's on screen for i think six minutes it was just a lot of untapped potential and what's hard is these characters are big in the comics and i'll keep this short i'm watching the clock here so i'm gonna keep it to a minute but a quick aside on those three characters they are quicksilver and wanda are part of the second generation of Avengers, which is Captain America, Hawkeye, and then those two. And that they were important. But the most important thing about Wanda and Pietro in the comics is that they are the children to Magneto. And they are initially part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Oh, I didn't realize that. And so they are villains who become Avengers, which was a common Avengers trope. Hawkeye was another villain who became an Avenger. That Black Widow, it's a common Avengers theme, but it was important for those characters because it was the Avengers passing on their legacy and trusting these former enemies with the legacy of the Avengers. And it's something that's really untapped. I I, I understand why they didn't do it that way, but I think it's one of the interesting things about them becoming Avengers. And as for the reason why they didn't address any of the Magneto aspect, it Fox still owned the rights to Magneto and part of the deal was that they could have both films could have Pietro and Wanda. And that's why Quicksilver is in the X-Men films. And I think even as young, the sister is a, a younger version of herself as in him. And they can be in the Marvel movies, but in the Marvel movies, they couldn't acknowledge that they were related to Magneto. So it kind of creates that double. That's why there's all these versions. I see. And they're actually planning. The rumor is they're going to merge them with the, new Doctor Strange movie called The Multiverse of Madness, where you're going to see more multiple versions. And they're going to apparently bring back Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. They're going to bring back some of the X-Men from the Fox films. There's rumors they're going to bring back... They're going to bring back all these different MCU, Marvel... I'm not MCU, Marvel depictions, apparently, from other versions. From the (laughs) Raimi universe, from other Marvel universes. Whether that's true or not, we'll see, but that's what the rumor is, at least. Um, All right. The one thing Um, about Vision is, and Vision was also super powerful, and they totally glossed over him. So the fact you didn't like that is totally, I get that. I like them. I think it works, but it works for me, and I get why people don't like it. I like them in Infinity War. I like them in this film. I think it kind of, they do put make the heart of the film, the two of them, and I do understand why that doesn't work for you. So It works for me. (laughs) I I like both. I think both are interesting actors. I just thought that was both. I thought that's kind of the weakest section of the movie for me, like, as you said. Another thing I didn't, well, this is a thing I thought about, I guess. Don Cheadle, right? Uh, War Machine. War Machine. He's kind of in this movie, okay? He shows his face a few times. 
a war machine sh- shows up a lot, but Don Cheadle is basically in three scenes, best I could tell. His voice is used through War Machine several times in battles and whatnot. Uh, but I was also confused because at the end, I thought he was going to die. And I was like, oh, this is a good, like, the, yeah, there needs to be a casualty from the Civil War. But then he doesn't really die. They kind of like, he's sort of paralyzed from the waist down or something. And then the, when that happened, it occurred to me, I was like, you know, if I was doing this, I like Don Cheadle should have died. Like, and there should have been a death on the other side. Like, I almost think this might have been the time that uh, it's like Iron Man should kill the Winter Soldier after that reveal, and then it's like you lose somebody on both sides. What do you think of that, Jake? It's very fair, and I do understand why that should have happened. <laughs> the one thing I would say in its defense, it would make them coming together much harder. Yeah, that's true. And I think they should have come together sooner. I think they should have come together at some point in Infinity War and still have them lose. Uh, whatever. I'm not going to rewrite it. They did it all right. I'm not, I'm not going to rewrite anything right. here. But, so just ignore me. The, the, the re- that was the reason I'd, I heard. That's the reason I remember reading from them in their pre-interviews was that there needed to be some type of cost. And they thought it was having him be injured, that type of injury. They didn't want to go the full way and just like do it because they thought it would be more difficult for them to come back together. And at least the way it works or is written in Infinity War, that makes sense. And that's one of the questions where you don't know how much they knew about Infinity War as they were writing this, how much of the story. But the one thing that it makes sense because he, with Tony Stark gone at the beginning of Infinity War, Rhodey represents the other faction of Avengers. And with Vision injured and part of that fight, you need someone to represent that version of Avengers. And Rhodes is the only one there other than Spider-Man. No, Spider-Man's gone at that point too. So you need, right. you really need someone there. And I'm not going to sit here and say that's the best way to write a movie and <laughs> tell a story. And the one thing I will say about the Rhodes character, he, you kind of nailed it. I really like him from the, from the comics, from the cartoons. I love... I, like it. I think he's underused, especially in this movie. Well, that's, what, and that's the thing. In Infinity War, he's also underused. They don't acknowledge... There's no conversation between him and any of the characters talking about his injury. Or the I honestly, I think his, I think his shooting schedule must have been much, or like, I think he pops in for a day or two, and then, then like they use his voice a lot. But it's, I don't think he's on set the way that like Evans and Downey are. I, I agree. There could be two things there. One, tons of stuff is shot and cut. They, they yeah, film these true. in a way where they, and you can see now, they have so many deleted scenes for these movies, and it's not what it usually is, which is maybe one or two missing scenes or a couple different versions of scenes. They have some action sequences like big action sequences that are completely cut big cameos it's interesting the things that marvel cuts we've talked about this before it's because they have the ability to waste that type of money on deleted scenes or scenes they know they aren't going to make it and i I won't get lost on there (laughs) (laughs) these movies i my hope is that there's more deleted scenes and we're kind of jumping ahead from civil war, but to bring it back there, I get why they didn't kill him. But at the same time, I think that's a fair argument. There should have been a bigger cost and yeah, I get why you don't have winter soldier seeing the stories they want to tell, especially with him and Falcon moving on, trying 
determining who carries the mantle of Captain America. I think there's more stories to tell with Bucky. But it's hard to argue that there shouldn't have been some more consequence at the end of that film. Although the argument's been made up until that point, that's the first time a villain's successful. He doesn't, he splits the Avengers apart and he ultimately sets it up so that Thanos is successful too. He does, yeah. And it's like, Chad, you know, Black Panther does it. It's like, yo, you could have killed that guy that killed your dad. And like, you kind of just like, let go of it. Well, I would, that's one of my favorite parts of the film. But in terms yeah. of Chadwick Boseman, so I wanted to bring it back to what you said about Don Cheadle as Rhodey or War Machine. I kind of felt the same way about Chadwick Boseman. He is in the movie a good amount, and he shares a lot of scenes with actually Scarlett Johansson and a good amount with Chris Evans. Uh, and what, what am I blanking on? No, there's one other character. And he has that good scene with Zemo at the end. He's got, he's got one with Downey, too, I think. He doesn't. I thought he was sort of talking to Downey um, at that, like, function or something. No, he talked to Scarlett Johansson. He has a great scene with his dad, a good scene with Zemo, and then most of his other conversations, he has a quick one with Sam, but it's mostly with Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson, and that's hard to do. You're immediately going up head-to-head against them. And his character in Black Panther, it's mostly CGI, but he's sharing the screen with all the biggest characters immediately. We'll get into that in a minute, but... No matter what, Chadwick Boseman does a great job as T'Challa and as Black Panther. But he mainly, they actually kind of you. Oh, sorry. I was say you just mainly see him as T'Challa in this film, right? And they actually, I was thinking about this. Uh, they kind of use him in a Catwoman type of way, actually, where it's like he's the one guy who's sort of the independent, and he's not on either side, and he's the one who's like he has his own agenda with avenging his father. That's exactly kinda, what they wanted as they were writing it. They knew they needed right. a third balance or third heat as i like to say between the downey and the evans factions yeah and i like i like that aspect of it too where i was like because i was watching i was like oh which side did black panther take in this and i was like oh that's right he's like doesn't care about these people <laughs> and i like that aspect of it <laughs> but that's part of it too and we'll get in a minute if it goes into black panther and it's like his character the wakandans they're incredibly powerful but they're not taking an interest and now that's led them into this fight because they didn't take interest, and now they're in the middle of it. But I, I liked his vengeance arc, and I will get into the Batman versus. You like that he let him go, and that he was like, "I'm not going to let the vengeance overtake me as well." I mentioned Batman versus Superman earlier, and that was part of it. For some, they never they don't do a good job explaining, but for some reason, Batman internalizes his revenge arc against Superman for some reason. And he is stopped from killing him at the last minute by finding out that their moms have the same name. Cool. Very, very cool coincidence, bro. Then uh, that's why, that's how he turns away from the path of vengeance and stops killing people. In this Black Panther, you don't know if he's killed people before. It's in, You find out he probably did later as a warrior, but you don't know what his real arc is, but you know he is on a pairing a path through this movie. He They introduce him in this action scene or and he they do such a great job with him and he is just such a formidable character and like a force of nature through the film but i just totally lost my train of thought i I had a question i was kind of confused as to like what um like when his dad is king 
like he doesn't have the Black Panther powers, right? I thought only when he became king, you got to drink that flower. So I was kind of confused as to like, does he have Black Panther powers and like a suit and everything while his dad is the king? Or like, how does that work? I'm not entirely sure. I believe because in his own Black Panther film, they showed the the dad when he was younger was Black Panther, but I don't know if you're King and Black Panther at the same time. If you but, and then it be. was like the, all those tribes seemed to have warriors that like were like super strong kind of, but then it was like at the challenge, you know, they remove his powers so that he can like be challenged by people in other tribes and whatnot. It was a little confusing to me as to like what was going on there. Cause it's, it, I'm pretty sure he's like using his Black Panther suit and powers like while his dad's alive in this movie. The, I believe that there is a comic and there are some comics that are part of this canon and he is the Black Panther before he is king. I see. Okay. So, so like, like the warrior Black Panther. Guy. So yeah, this isn't his first time fighting. He's an experienced warrior and experiences Black Panther by the time he's taking part. I see. I actually, well, I'll, I'll save some of these questions for the Black Panther. Um, <laughs> Wait. Do you have any more uh, thoughts on? I think I hit the things I wanted to hit on uh, Civil War in terms of the stuff that I like, kind of was griping on. No, I mean, do you want to give it a score? I mean, I, I love this film. I could go on about it forever, but I don't think I need to. I think we hit all the main things. I, I love coming off Winter Soldier. I loved it. I was excited, and after this film, I knew it's easy to send out. But I really felt comfortable with them handling the last two Avengers films, and they blew my ex- expectations away anyway. So. That's all I I'll say. Yeah, my, it was better than Ultron. Like, I think that was a good rebound from, like, even though it's not really an event, like, it is an Avenger movie. It and was like, a huge rebound. I would it's say. definitely better than that Age of Ultron movie. So I'm I'm probably in, like, the six and a half range where it's, like, it's a fun movie. I would have liked it trimmed down a little bit, streamlined a little more. Just cut out the, was cut out the Vision and Scarlet Witch uh, thing, and then uh, I'll enjoy myself a lot more, I think. Give me a few more Paul Rudd lines or something, you know? <laughs> All right, I'm not going to argue with more Paul Rod. I'm going to give it a 92. Nice. <laughs> loved it. Um, I, I loved everything about it. So 92 for me. <laughs> uh, we got cut off there, folks, but we just want to say goodbye from Jake and Seth. One more quick note about the cast. Alfrey Woodward portrays Mariah Dillard in the MCU show Luke Cage. She's in this film as Miriam Sharp, and that's the woman who confronts Tony Stark and gets him to consider the actions of Sokovia, which ultimately has him side with Thaddeus Ross and then try to enforce the Sokovian Accords on everyone. The reason I bring her up is there is some beef between the TV shows and the movies there was for a long time rumors and apparently some plan to integrate the tv characters everyone from agents of shield characters like quake to the netflix defenders i don't necessarily think some of the shows like the runaways or cloak and dagger were supposed to appear but i definitely think the netflix characters and for sure the agents of shield characters are supposed to some part crossover and I think appear in Endgame at the portal scene. Honestly, if there's a part, apparently then or during a lot of characters were considered from the Netflix series during the blip, as it's called there, or the snap. 
but at that dusting scene. So there were some plans at some point. The Infinity War directors, the Russo brothers, said it was because they just couldn't juggle all the t- timelines. But it doesn't really make sense because they're ending all these shows anyway. And it's a comic book series. You can always rewrite anything. It's really part of a larger beef. And the reason I'm bringing giving all this backstory is stuff like this, the film studios don't like. Alfrey Woodward, who plays Mariah Dillard in the Luke Cage series, she was already cast in that series, and they don't blame her. But when they hired her, they were apparently pissed that the TV studio didn't let them know that she was already working, and they let it happen. And there are a couple examples of that uh, movie of movie characters being recast in the show without the MCU's notice. It's not a big deal, but it's one of those things for continuity reasons, which. Kevin Feige is very close about and protective of. It's apparently a bigger deal behind the scenes, whether that's true or not, or it's other things going on. I've talked about the whole decision board before. There could be a ton of different reasons, but her character is interesting in this because she's such a big part of the Luke Cage TV series, which was a huge, the first season was real big. Uh, it kind of fell off after that, but oh, he was big in Jessica Jones too. He, that was a big character. And she was a big part of him as a character on Netflix. It was just one of those examples where, and even Joss Whedon was torn between the TV side and the movie side. We'll do a whole separate thing about that, but that was just one other note I had to say. Okay, goodbye for real now.